This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. John will be where we go today. I'm feeling real comfortable today. I met some guests this morning that before this service started, I met some guests, uh, Ricky and Charmaine, and they are from Mississippi. And as soon as I heard that word, I said, you know, a lot of people think I was born and raised in Louisiana, but I was born in Mississippi. I was raised in Louisiana, and now I live in Texas. I think I'm saved. (laughs) And uh, it was a pleasure to meet that young couple, and I'm glad that they're here today. All right, we're in the second week of a series. I started a series last Sunday named The Way to Joy. The Way to Joy. And, and the reason I'm preaching this, teaching this, this month is because we're in the month of Christmas. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that this beautiful holiday celebrating the birth of Jesus, it's gotten off track. And it's not just now. It's been this way for many years. But the holiday's been manipulated into being something that, that, that media, that materialism, that marketing has us kind of off track with. Because nowadays, Christmas is about accruing more debt. More, more credit card debt that you're going to pay off, that you're not going to get paid off. It's, it's, it's Christmas nowadays is about family division, drama, problems. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. And then the, the biggest unfortunate thing about Christmas nowadays is that it is a step away from faith, not to faith. It's, it's become skewed. It's become a blur. So I've, I've committed that this month I'm going to just preach and teach what I believe Christmas is all about. And I think Christmas began, and it remains the way to joy. When you come into the knowledge and the understanding of what God did through his son, it is the way to joy. And uh, last, last Sunday, we, we started in 1 John, and we talked about that God is light. And what we established by Scripture and by teaching the Scripture is that if you'll stay in the light, if you'll stay in the light, You'll, you'll keep yourself from the darkness because God is light and in him there is no darkness. Well, today we're going to stay in 1 John, but we're going to move into chapter 2. But, but, but I need to read you my text. My series text is 1 John chapter 1. And look at it with me, verse number 1. And, and before, actually before I start reading, there's some of you, you, you have your, your smartphone out, your, your device If you have never downloaded our app, it's Calvary FTW. You can do that on an Android or an Apple device. Calvary FTW. And if you'd like to download that, our sermon notes are always there for you. So you can kind of just stay with me as we move forward. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 1. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We have... Uh, We saw him, rather. We saw him with our own eyes, and we touched him with our own hands. And I love this. He is the word of life. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. John is writing here that Jesus, he is the word of life. Jesus, he is eternal life. It sounds like this is the path, the way, the direction to joy. 
He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. Verse 3, we proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. Now, what kind of fellowship is that? Well, the Bible says it's, it's our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. In verse 4, and then we're done here. We're writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. John is saying we have walked and talked and fellowshiped with Jesus. We have established that he is our joy. So we're going to tell you all about Jesus so that you may share with us this life-changing experience, the joy of the Lord. Well, today... Uh, if you would like, since you already are there, we're going to go into chapter number two for, for this morning's subtopic. And it's simply these words, do what is right. So today, I'm going to be spending time here, do what is right. And I want us to look at the same book, 1 John chapter 2, though, in verse number 15. Love not the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, I shared this in the first service at 9 o'clock, and I just want to kind of reiterate it. Last Sunday, I was kind of shocked. I, uh, I, I, felt, I felt okay about the, the time spent in the message. I felt like I, I did an okay job. But, but I received several forms of communication by text. I even had a few phone calls about it thanking me. And, and, and affirming me. And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Every now and then a pastor just needs that affirmation. But affirming, and I got tickled because some people said, I loved how you just, you just, you just didn't hold back, preacher. You just told us the way it is. And I kind of got tickled thinking that, well, we'll see how they feel next week. <laughs> so today... Uh, we're just going to see if you really like to hear the way it is because the Bible is going to do the preaching for us. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, because if a man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Why is that so clear? Because light does not fellowship with darkness. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have, watch this everybody, just look up here. We'll get back to the scripture. We got time. I, I think this, this service is over in three hours, so we've got time. You can't have all of God and have all of the world. I'll, I'll go further. You can't have all of God and part of the world. You, you can't have all of God and a little bit of the world. You can't have all of God and even just a little fraction of the world. Because God and the world, holiness and sin, light and darkness, they don't fellowship. They don't get along. Have you ever been at the dinner table with, uh, with two people and you knew those two people didn't get along? You know how much work that is on you? You're sitting there just trying your best to keep peace at the table, keep everybody happy. And you know they don't get along. And it's toiling. It will stress you out. And the next time you get the invitation, hey, you want to go eat? Who's going? Well, me and Richard, no. Why? Because y'all don't get along. Oh, we're fine. No, I've been there, done that, and it was miserable. Well, miserable is the life of someone trying to live a pleasing life unto God, and yet 
also having their way with the things of the world. It creates misery because God and the world, they don't get along. There's, there's not fellowship there. There's, they, they, don't, they don't mesh. And the Bible through John, Holy Spirit rather, through the John, is saying, if you try to love the world, the love of the Father is not, not in you. Verse 16, why is that? Because all that there is in the world, that's what the Bible says, for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And those things, it's, it's not of the Father, but those are the things of the world. In verse 17, and when the world passes away, the world, all those things in it, the world's going to pass away and the lust of the world's going to pass away. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Now, I'm going to take my liberty, and it's not stretching the word of God. That tells me the things of the world are temporal. The things of the world are, are, are of evil days, and they will pass away. But the things of God are eternal. And if you try to maintain your, your, your spiritual condition in the things of the world, that bringeth forth death. The Bible says sin bringeth forth death. But the things of God are going to bring life, eternal life. Somebody say amen. So this message is going to be a little bit different than my norm. If you're a guest today, uh, and, and possibly if you've listened to anything that, that is on our website or on our app, this flow, the way we will work through this message today is a little bit different because I'm just going to do some, I'm just going to scale back and I'm just going to do some teaching scripture by scripture right out of one of my favorite Bibles I have. Uh, I have, uh, have several different Bibles. And years and years and years ago, uh, my wife actually introduced me to a study Bible called the Full Life Study Bible. It's, it, and I, and, and uh, for some of you, I don't want that to confuse you. I'm not referring to a translation. I'm not talking about is that in the King James or the message? No, no, no. It's a, just the actual hard book Bible uh, that was in King James rendering. But there's written commentary that just really does a lot of good teaching. And I'm just going to take a little article that I've been chewing on and studying. And I'm going to teach it today straight to you for your hearing. And what we're going to talk about is this thing, this word, this struggle called temptation. Everyone say temptation. And how we're going to deal with temptation is we're just going to do what's right. And there's a right way of handling temptation. These things that John has, uh, has revealed to us, the lust of the flesh, what pleases me. If you really want to know what the lust of the flesh is, it's what makes me feel good no matter if it hurts you. No matter if it hurts even me. No matter if it bringeth problems to my life. If it makes me feel good, it, it pleases me. It's the lust of my, my flesh that makes me want to overeat, overspend. It makes me, wanna, uh, uh, makes me want to, to uh, alter the state of my mind. It makes me want to bring into my life. It makes me want to bring things and introduce things into my life that, that are possibly synthetic, that are superficial, that are not real because it makes me feel good. A good book makes me feel good. A good movie makes me feel good. The right song makes me feel good. It feeds my flesh. It's external coming into my 
body making me feel better. That's why people drink. That's why people use. That's why people uh, get all into some problems because they're trying to meet the need of the body, the flesh. But then the Bible says there's also the lust of the, the eyes. Well, the eyes literally is a visual. If I see it, I'll start to want it. It's eye gate. Whatever comes into this eye gate, hey, everybody, everybody knows this is true. Once you see it, you can't forget it. Once you see it, once you see it, once you see that Ferrari, huh, you can't forget that Ferrari. Or if it could be something more troubling than just a beautiful sports car, uh, if you were to see a uh, pornographic image. Once you see it, you can't forget it. Once you, once you see something through the eyes of envy, you want it, you crave it. The eyes, the lust of the eyes. If I can just see it, it'll start taking root and I'll start wanting it. And that ties back into the flesh. But then there's also the pride of life. The pride of life, uh, instantly some of you started thinking about money. The pride of life, you just started thinking about ego and arrogance and, and, and swag, but in a wrong way. Instantly you started thinking about that, that weird, nasty, weird, dirty feeling of pride. John is telling us these things are not the way to joy. These things are the ways of the world. Okay? And every single one of us in the room are tempted with all of them. Now, you may say, well, I'm not really tempted with this, but you're tempted with all of them, maybe one more than the other, but you're all tempted by these things because it was established in the fall of man. Adam and Eve's failure, Adam and Eve's mistake that you and I are still kind of cleaning up. We're still trying to work through what they did. It was all because of these three things when the great collide of sin, boom, we have a mistake made and it all had to do with the flesh, had to do with the eyes, and it had to do with pride. So none of us in this room are immune. We're not immune from being tempted. And what I'm about to say to you is going to change your life forever if you have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. You're not immune from being tempted. But that does not mean that you're obligated to fall into it. Every single one of us will have a knock on our door of the lust of the flesh. We'll have a knock on our door of the lust of the eyes. We will have a knock on the door of the pride of life. But the Bible will clearly show you over the next few minutes that you're not obligated to fall into temptation. Well, if I'm not obligated to fall into temptation, then that means that God has released something into my care that will prevent me from falling into it. What is that thing that God has given me? Well, it's actually two things, but they're partners. And that is, everybody say the Holy Spirit. And now say the Word of God. When you become consumed and filled, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and you are walking and living the Spirit-filled life, Partnering with the Word of God, you will overcome temptation. You won't overcome the knocking of the door of temptation, but you will overcome the, the possibility of falling into it. Now, here's where this is kind of taking on a different type sermon for me. Because what I want to do is I want to show you ways to use the Word of God to overcome temptation, and it's all scriptural use. 
But this is what we know about this word. And this is what we know about the spirit life. The Holy Spirit. The word of God is of no value to you unless you use it. This book is a paperweight. This book is a, is a dust collector. This book is, is, a, is a topic of conversation. This book. Even when it's opened, it's of no value to me. Even if it's read, it's of no value to me. Until I do what I've read. Until I flip the switch and start using the word of God, it's just another form of instruction. But once I flip the switch, once I activate it by faith, once I start applying it and actually working the plan, let me say it this way, this plan works if you'll work the plan. So here's how we're going to use the word of God. We're going to use it to resist temptation. John, the same one that we've just read from in his, in, in his first letter, he also wrote something known as the Gospel of John, meaning his take, his perception of the life and time, signs and wonders and miracles, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, the gospel of, of, of Jesus Christ according to John. He tells us in John 15 verse 3 that you are clean through the word. You're clean through the word. But then verse 7 says, if you will stay in me, if you will abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So here comes temptation, and she's knocking on my door. I cannot stop that from happening. But how I can resist is by calling on the name of the Lord and asking him to give me the strength, to give me the courage to not open that door. And the Bible says, if I stay in Jesus, last Sunday I would have said it this way because of the text. If I'll stay in the light, if I'll stay in the light because in him there is no darkness. If I stay in him, and then this week's text says, and the word lives in me, I do not have to open the door to temptation. There's not a man in this room, there's not a woman in this room. That will make it through tomorrow without some form of temptation. But there's not a man or a woman in this room. And there's not a student in this room that has to fall into it. If we will listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is showing us through the writing of the Word of God. We have this Spirit that will come into us and rest upon us. That will empower us to use the Word of God. And it says, whatever we shall ask, he shall do. Someone say amen. A second thing is, and then we're going to get real personal for a while. The second thing is, is that we have to take this word, and, it's, and, and just for, to make sure that you're not misunderstanding me. I don't believe necessarily in osmosis here. But you have to engraft the word of God into your mind. To meditate upon the word of God day and night. James chapter 1 verse 21 in the NLT says this way. So get rid of all the filth, get rid of all the evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts because it has the power 
to save you. This word of God can save you from temptation. But it's got to become one with you. It says to get rid of all the filth and the evil in your life. So what do you think that means? Well, that list could be rather extensive. So I just kind of whipped up a few here utilizing that full life study Bible. And I'm sure that we could, if we're mature enough today, we can we could fill in the blank of our own issues. But here's how this church believes. We believe with all our heart that salvation comes in an instance. We believe that you can come to know God today. But even when you come to know God, God wants to work with you over time to help you overcome your issues. Salvation is instant. Freedom is a process. So what I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes are some real life personal issues that everybody in this room is familiar with. Let's just start out with a bang, right? Why don't we just go all in real quick. Let's talk about this this, this issue of immorality. Now, immorality is not just what Hollywood says it is. There's a lot of things that are immoral. And God has given you the Holy Spirit and His Word to help you resist the temptation of immorality. And He has given you this Word that once it's engrafted into your mind, once it's hidden in your spirit and in your heart, it will give you the power to resist immorality. One scripture in reference to this is so good. Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. This is as good as it's going to get, guys. Romans, Paul says in, in, in Romans 13, Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You can't afford to give sin an inch. Because it'll take a mile. I, I, I was expecting something. You can't give sin an inch because it will take a mile. Round two is always better than one. <laughs> here's, the, here's the deal, guys. Paul's saying, hey, you're going to be tempted in whatever form of immorality that's, that's your flavor. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted. And, 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 and here's your solution to resisting temptation. Don't, don't, don't make provision for the flesh. Don't make provision for it. Don't open the door. Because here, here's what's natural. When it knocks... When it knocks, we just want to, oh, I'm not going to, don't worry, everybody, don't worry. I'm not going to swing the door open. We're not going to let this, we're not going to let this issue come in and sit with us in the living room. I just, I just want to see, I just want to just see what it looks like. And when we give an inch, it takes a mile. I recently spent some time with a, with a gentleman that once was a pastor. He's no longer pastoring, but, but I wanted to pick his brain. I knew he had pastored and. As a, as a pastor, I'm always looking for, looking for insight and wisdom. I said, how did you handle the, the, how did you handle the topic of, of sin in particular to, to introduction to a, to a couple or introduction to an individual, introduction of, of, of sin such as synthetics, of using drugs, 
alcohol, pornography, things that, that, that come through the eye gate, that, that, that are introduced to the flesh. How did you handle that? And once he shared, I realized, I realized that somehow or another, this year has been the year, and I don't even really know why, but this year I've spent more of my messages preaching very clearly against a few things. And, and here's what I know. Here's what I know. Some people think, Pastor Tommy, you don't, you, you don't preach against anything. Well, you know, th- th- those are people that never come to church. Because <laughs> this is what I know. There's really nothing going to send you to hell. Tweet that, right? He just said nothing's going to send you. You know, drinking doesn't send people to hell. Drugs are not going to send people to hell. You got to, you got to stay mature with me now. Don't go, don't go, don't go to sleep now, or my God, you'll be drunk by one thirty. <laughs> you'll be like, it's on, baby, <laughs> and I'm a musician at that church. I could have said any position, so don't, don't, don't take that. <laughs> Here's the deal. Stuff that your granddaddy used to tell you would send you to hell, your granddaddy was just smart. He just knew that that inch would become a mile. Because next thing you know, the introduction to lifestyle choices like this, it opens up corridors of the mind that never were intended. Look at Adam and Eve. Look at Adam and Eve. All hell broke loose. All because of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. They had it made in the shade. I mean, these folks had it made. And one step towards the tree of of knowledge and understanding and and, and of, of, of recognizing good and bad and evil one step towards it became a destination. And once at the destination became disobedience. In disobedience came the fall of man. The Bible says that pride goeth before the fall. <laughs> Listen to me, everybody. There's a reason, there's a reason the word of God points out a few red flags. The red flags are not saying that that's going to separate you from the love of God because we got plenty of understanding from the Bible that nothing's going to separate you from the love of God. But those type of things will take you into making other decisions and other decisions and other decisions that will lead you to the decision that you don't need God. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, creates the, 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 the dangerous separation between you and the Lord is whenever you make the cognitive decision to choose that you don't need a Savior. And all of this starts when temptation comes knocking and you just give an inch and the inch becomes a mile and you find yourself into a lifestyle that you never imagined being in. I hugged the neck of a young man after the first service that I've not seen in probably six, seven, eight years. I knew that he was a user. I knew that his parents had lost him. I knew that he had become homeless. I knew, I knew that he had become missing. And but for the last 10 months, he has found himself in clinical care. 
in the moment that he walked to the altar today, his first words were, Pastor, you said it. You can't give an inch to it. So don't take it just from the preacher. If you can't handle the word and you can't handle the preacher, take it from someone that's been using now for over 10 years and has found himself on the bottom of the barrel, that had found himself living a homeless life, that had found, come on somebody, a real person, not the preacher in the, in the sport coat and necktie telling you what to do, but a user telling the preacher, tell him, you can't give it an inch. Because you can't control where it takes you. Ladies and gentlemen, let me, let, let me just help you as a pastor today. The Bible and the Holy Spirit and the activation and the use of the word of God will give you the ability to not stop being tempted. But it will give you the ability to resist temptation. What about lying? Now all the parents in the room said, yes, preach. Preach, pastor. Preach. They're right, right now, they're texting this section. You better stop talking and listen. He's talking about lying. But unfortunately, there's a lot of businessmen that are lying. Tweaking numbers. Upcharging. Well, that's just business. It's lying. The Bible says in Colossians 3 and 9, don't tell lies to each other. Why? Because that was your old life. That was your old life with all of its wickedness that did that sort of thing. Now that old life, it's dead and it's gone. You can't have all of God and still want that part of your life. Well, that's just how our business functions. Then you need to change your business. Isn't it interesting We'll point that finger at them kids. You, you went so-and-so and you did so-and-so. You didn't tell me. You lying. Meanwhile, you know, just manipulating in business. See, I, I, I told y'all, y'all ain't going to be texting me today. The only text I'll get today is, nice knowing you. But the word of God tells us that if you want to resist the temptation of being unethical in your business, if you want to resist the temptation of not honoring your word, if you want to resist the temptation of having character issues, then you need to let the old man be the old man and you need to live this new man kind of life. And that new man kind of life is that we're overcomers by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. How do we know this? Because the Holy Spirit's revealed it through the word of God. What about discouragement? See, some of y'all, 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 will, y'all want me to stay on that drinking. But what about the discouraged in this room? What about all of you that are, that are dealing with private discouragement? It's not the will of God that you walk through that. Here's the will of God is that you come through that. Galatians 6 and 9 says, don't get tired of doing what is right, for after a while you're going to reap a harvest of blessing if you don't get discouraged and give up. Somebody say, keep your hand on the plow. Discouragement. You don't think your way out of being discouraged. I know what your granddad said, get your little tail up, put your boots on in. Get on out there. You're a winner. That may work for a few people. 
But down deep, the child of God needs the Holy Spirit to reveal through the Word of God that there is an ability to resist the temptation of being discouraged. And what is that? Don't get tired in doing what is right. King James would say, don't be weary in well-doing. Why? Because in due time, in due season, there's coming a time that all of your hard work is going to come forth with a harvest of blessing. But if you stop just short of your breakthrough, you're going to miss what God's been doing in you and for you through the whole process. Keep going. Keep trying. Keep, keep, keep working at it. What about worry? <laughs> worry. Some of you don't have immorality issues. You don't have, you, you, you don't have lying problems. You don't have a discouragement issue. But you worry yourself silly. Now, go ahead. Nudge the one next to you and say he's preaching to you. You worry. Worry, 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 worry. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry. Why? Verse 27, can your worries add a single moment to your life? Say no. So why do you have such little faith? Don't worry about what you wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. What we will wear. Verse 32, these things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all of your needs, verse 33. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. But my favorite is Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 in the NLT. It says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. So wives, I've given you your weekly scripture. Don't worry about anything. Let's pray about everything. Husbands. Repeat it after me. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. So every single time that worry, the temptation of worry comes knocking on your door, you give an inch to worry, you'll find yourself full of anxiety. You'll find yourself full of stress. You'll find yourself full of, uh, uh, full of being irritable. And it all goes back to worrying. And the Bible is your source. Your Bible is your answer. Don't worry about anything. Why don't you just start praying? So when it knocks, somebody hit their knees and start praying. We're not going to worry in this house. We're not going to worry. And everybody that's 40 and up says, don't worry. Be. Y'all are not going to forget it all day long. You're going to have your hamburger. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> And your kids are going to be like, what are y'all talking about? How about fear? Fear. Worry's not your problem. Immorality's not your problem, right? Lying, you've got that whipped. What about fear? 2 Timothy chapter 1, I prayed this this morning with someone that's in the hospital before the 9 o'clock ever started. This is what I was praying for someone in our, one of our local hospitals down here at Hughley. And that was, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There's some of you in this room right now, this is what you need more than anything else in this life. You need God to settle your mind because you've got yourself so worked up, you're convinced 
You're convinced that the failure's coming. You're convinced that the bankruptcy is on the horizon. You're convinced that there's trouble, that there's pain and disappointment that is going to definitely come walking through your heart's front door. You're just convinced of it. So you're just so afraid. You're worried. You're discouraged. God has not given you the spirit of fear. The word of the Lord is your answer. It has given you power, love, and a sound mind. Be healed in Jesus' name in your mind. Right now. Just sitting here with me. Us just talking. Some of you need your mind to be cleared and healed. And I just speak that over you today. Because fear's got you so worked up. You've got worrying on your mind. You wear it on your face. It's your makeup. You just got worry. In the name of the Lord, be healed in your mind by the word of God. Let me close with this because it's interesting. It's interesting that fear, worry, discouragement, even lying and immorality have all found their way into something that Jesus Christ knew that you and I living in the, the end of the year of 2017, soon to be 18, that we would deal with and struggle with, and it's the American dollar, finances. A lot of your worry and a lot of your fear and a lot of your discouragement and a lot of your, a lot of your issues are tied to finances, and God knew it. God knew it before you were ever a thought in your mother's mind that you would be living in the generation, in the time frame, in the dispensation, in the moment where money would give you a major headache. But this is what the Bible says about your finances. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 in the NIV, remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you the ability, gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant. He is in covenant with you. That he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Later on, just, just 20 chapters later in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 6. You will be blessed when you come in and you will be blessed when you go out. How do I know that? Because the word tells me that. What am I going to live by? I'm going to live by the word of God. How am I going to get a hold of the word of God? By the Holy Spirit's revelation. Why do I need all this? Because you're looking for the way to joy. And you're living in a world that's wanting to take you away from joy into the things of the world. The lust of the flesh, eyes, pride of life. Somebody needs to get a hold of this today. And you just need to go ahead and receive his word. Proverbs 10, 22, The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without pain for toiling for it. Here's the problem with the way the world says, if you're going to have wealth, you're going to pay for it with pain. You're going to get divorced over money. You're going to lose your children over money. You're going to drive your family crazy over money. You're not going to know how to steward over money, so you're going to swim in debt. And that's not the will of God. The will of God is not that the dollar bill drives you to divorce and, and problems with your kids. The will of God is that it produces comfort for you and your family and legacy and being able to make a difference in this world just trying to get somebody, somebody in this room back on track and I'm trying to keep some of you on track because you're just one step off the way to joy into the things of the world and John says love not the world don't give an inch to it 
I know what you want. You want you want all of God, but you want some of that. You want God, but you want some of that. Here's an old school way of saying it. You want God on Sunday, but you want everything else Monday through Saturday. And you're going to drive yourself crazy. And you don't need therapy. You don't need counseling. You don't need time with me. You need time with the Holy Ghost. And you need time with the Word of God. And you need to do what's right. What do you mean by do what's right? (laughs) Well, it's not really what I mean. It's what John means. This is what he says. Same chapter, chapter number 2 of 1 John. He goes down to verse 28, and I close with this. Now, my little, my little children, stay in happy fellowship with the Lord. So when he comes back, you'll be sure that all is well. And you won't be ashamed and shrink back from meeting him. Since we know that God is always good. Can I get an amen to that? Since we know that God's always good and God only does what's right, then we should rightly assume that all those who do what's right are his children. Do what's right. Well, what's right? Use the word of God against your temptations, man. What do you mean by that? When you're tempted with immorality, do what's right. Call on the name of the Lord. Ask whatever you shall in his name and it shall be done unto you. When you're tempted to lie, when you're tempted to be dishonest with your wife, with your husband, with your kids, with your parents, with your teachers, with your employment, when you're tempted to just not be honest, do what's right. And that is come under the submission of the Holy Spirit and be honest. Because I can tell you right now, whatever fallout of your honesty is, the fallout of your of your deceit is greater. What do you mean by do what's right? Well, when you're afraid, do what's right. Don't cower down to fear. You don't understand how hard that is. I totally understand how hard it is, but I also understand what the Word of God says about me and that the spirit of fear is not of God. So that tells me if that's got a hold of me, then I need to get back in the light. That just tells me i got to get back in fellowship with Him. Because if I'm really that afraid and if fear's got me cowarded down and in the fetal position of life, and that tells me that I've opened the door to it. And that tells me I need to take my prayer and I need to start claiming that this home, this temple, this body, this mind, this spirit, this heart is cleansed from fear in the name of Jesus. And fear is not welcomed here. It's not that easy, Pastor Tommy. I didn't say it. <laughs> the Word said it's that easy. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with the Word of God. Come under the light. What do you mean by do what's right? Well, when you start worrying, when you get discouraged, and when you start looking at that financial part of your world and something's not adding up, before you start dissipation and start spinning downward, you need to reach up to heaven. And you need to claim health and healing and solvency and equity and prosperity and wealth in the name of Jesus Christ. Do what's 
right. Because that's the way to joy. Why is it, before I pray over you, why is it that when the going gets tough, that that's when we run from what's right? When it's the only solution to ease the trouble. I want you to stand with me quickly. Stand with me quickly today. I'm going to close in a, in a, in a, in a little, little modified way. Prayer partners, come quickly. Prayer partners, come quickly today. And this is what I want to do here in my close. I know I've, I've gone a long time, and some of you have things to do. But this is what I want us to do. I'm fixing to start praying. And because of time, because of the schedule, when I start my prayer, I want you to come quickly if you need prayer, okay? If you need prayer, if you need prayer. And by the way, everybody, this is not confession hour, okay? I want to help my prayer partners out. These are not your priests. These are your prayer partners. They're not going to forgive you of any sin. They don't have that ability. Jesus does. So what you're asking for prayer today is, if you're sick in your body, if you're troubled in your mind, if you've got a problem going on in life, all I need you to do is come down and say, hey, Mark, Mark, man, I, I don't think I've met you, but, but here's the problem I'm, I'm dealing with, and I need you to agree with me. They're not giving you advice. They're prayer partners. And that's the trouble that a lot of people get into. They're looking for their answer in people. Your answer's not in people. Your answer's in the Spirit. Y'all want to sit down and me preach a little while longer? I'm, man, I'm telling you, I can go all day. Here's the deal. I'm fixing to pray over you. And some of you need to take your first step to freedom. Your first step to freedom is coming to know God. So right now, real quick, every eye closed. Your first step to everything changing in your life is to come under, under Lordship of Jesus. Everybody right now, this is for everybody in the room. If you need... If you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ because you've never done so, or if you need to come back to Him, I want to lead you in that right now. If you need to declare the Lord Jesus as your Lord, lift your hand quickly. This is a special moment for you, and I want, I want to help you with that. All over this room, lift your hand quickly. Lift it up where I can see you. Lift it up where I can see you. You need the Lord. You need the Lord. I see you right back there. I see you, sir. Okay. Now, here we go. Every eye closed and every head bowed. If you need God to reveal through His Word an answer for a question, a solution to a problem, as I pray, I need you to quickly come. Quickly come. Quickly come. You ready? Take your step. Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus. I pray right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the hand that was lifted. This is my prayer for this gentleman. Dear Lord, I repent of my sin and I give my heart totally over to you. I call on your name for healing. I'm empty and I need you as my Lord and Savior. By faith, I receive you into my heart. As I pray right now for you that have a need in your body, a need in your life, a need in your mind and spirit, please come quickly. Time is, time is of the essence right now. A few have responded. There's more of you that need to take a step right now in the name of Jesus.
this altar is open for you. In the name of the Lord, by faith, God, I'm asking you to reveal the solution to my problem. Reveal the answer to my question. I claim my deliverance and my freedom in my mind, the freedom in my home, the freedom in my heart. I pray over every family problem that's in this room, any marital problem, any parenting issue, any child to parent, obstruction of relationship. I pray against that in Jesus' name. I pray against any sin issue of the mind, any dark mental places. Father, I pray that light would shine into those deep corridors of the mind. We come against anxiety. We come against depression. We come against stress of the mind. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over physical needs, sickness in the body. Lord Jesus, you have told us in your word, you have told us in your word, God, that there it was on the cross that all manner of disease, all illness was conquered at the cross. So I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over all physical need today. May the body be made whole in Jesus' name. I pray right now, God, over any financial stress that's in this room. Individuals that need jobs. We don't just pray for a job. We pray for the right job. And we pray that that job come quickly. We pray, Father, in the name of the Lord, that needs will be met until that job is secured. The right job with the right pay in the right location, with the right benefits, with the right hours, with the right job description. In the name of Jesus. Father, we pray right now in closing for the healing of the heart, the troubled one. Father, I ask you with healing grace, may it be like a bomb of Gilead. May the healing bomb of God, may it just soothe the troubled heart that's in this room. Wherever the trouble is coming from, we just, we just pray against it. And we're going to do what's right. And we're going to find ourselves at peace in God. Father, I pray that you keep us until we gather together again. Keep us on the way to joy. And in a world that's gone mad, in a troubled culture, keep us in the light of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Amen. Before I release you, December 24th, we have a 9 o'clock service and 11 o'clock. And then we'll gather back that evening for an awesome family night, a candlelight service. So don't miss Christmas Eve at Calvary. It's our big Christmas service in the morning, followed by our Christmas Eve candlelight. You don't want to be anywhere else. We're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. What we're really celebrating is the way to joy. It's going to be a dynamic Christmas season at Calvary Church. I love you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And we'll see you Wednesday at 7. If not, we'll see you Sunday. God bless you. Join me with Growth Track, everybody. If you're interested in this church, I'd love to know you. Come down front.